My name is Liz Briggson, and I want to welcome you to the Encorsa podcast. Encorsa is dedicated to providing industry-leading education to dynamic accounting and finance professionals all over the world. Hi, everyone. My name is Matt. I want to welcome you to Encorsa's podcast. This is episode two, and today we're going to talk about empowering accounting teams through professional development. Before we get into today's content, let's quickly go through our housekeeping items. Today's podcast episode qualifies for one hour of CPE for those who want it out there. And to get CPE credit today, you'll notice there's a link below the podcast episode. Whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple, or any other podcast platform, there'll be a link at the bottom of the episode that you can click through that will take you to Encorsa's site. And from there, you can complete the review and exam questions for this podcast episode. And once you complete those, you'll be able to download your CPE certificate. We hope you enjoyed today's episode in addition to the rest of the episodes in our podcast series. No matter what platform you're listening on, we would greatly appreciate if you'd go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. You'll be notified of upcoming episodes as those come out. We're really excited to have Liz Brixen here to present on today's topic of empowering accounting teams through professional development. Liz is on the Encorset team and leads education and partnerships. Liz, welcome to today's podcast. Hey, Matt. It's good to be here. We've been wanting to talk about this for a while, and so it's great that we've been able to set some time aside and talk about the power of goal setting and professional development. So it's good to be here. And on this topic, we may be a little biased, as Encorsa is in the continuing education space, but I know we both feel this is incredibly important for both individuals and companies as they progress through their careers. Absolutely. I think it's so much more than just a check the box exercise. When you put thought into it, there's really a lot of power to transform your professional trajectory through education and through learning. And that's why we really care about the topic. Absolutely. And thinking about the current landscape right now in the economy and business world, we're living in rapidly evolving times. Clearly for businesses to keep up with technology and transitions in the way we do business, They need their employees to pivot on some of their existing skills and add new skill sets. What are some of the macro trends we are seeing in the economy specific to professional development? When it comes to overall trends with professional development, I think one of the main things to know is that employees want it. So Glint, a company that's in the employee engagement space, they released a statistic that said that 97% of employees want to expand or at least continue the amount of time they spend learning. So I think for employers, for staff members, for all of us out there to know that people want to be able to participate in some type of professional development. And beyond that, there are really some large macro macro trends that are providing an umbrella across really the whole world. So what are some of those trends? So The World Economic Forum back in 2020 launched this whole entire program called the Reskilling Revolution. And there were companies like PwC, LinkedIn, Manpower, Salesforce, the very large companies that chose to participate in this initiative. And the goal is to provide 1 billion people with better education, skills, and jobs by 2023. So as part of this, PwC launched their program, New World, New Skills, in 2019. They committed to spending $3 billion to upskill 
275,000 employees over the next three to four years. So for PwC, they're kind of coming up on that horizon of that three to four year investment. And they have put a lot into upskilling for their workforce. Another large company that y'all have heard of is JP Morgan Chase, and they added $350 million to their already $250 million plan to upskill their workforce. Amazon has committed to investing more than $700 million to provide upskilling training to their employees. They have a pretty neat approach where if you go onto Amazon and kind of dig a little bit, you can actually discover their learning track that's available to employees. And they even have learning that's available to um, other people who are interested in upskilling themselves for their careers. So these large companies have committed millions and millions, sometimes in as the case with PwC, even billions of dollars to reskilling and upskilling their workforce. And so that's really setting the tone for the whole business community across the globe to be participating in employee development. Wow, that's an incredible amount of money being invested into training and development. Clearly, we can see that this is very important for companies out there. And when we're talking about upskilling in the context of professional development, companies are investing billions into this concept. What's the best way to describe the upskilling process? Well, I think that's a good question. And I want to address the monetary investment that you just recapped, because for smaller companies, I think it could feel a bit intimidating and overwhelming to hear, great, there's these large companies out there that have extra hundreds of million dollars to throw around into this, what does that mean for me with my smaller organization? And I think as we talk about what is upskilling, please keep in mind that no matter the size of your organization, whether you are a sole proprietorship providing bookkeeping services or you're running a middle market company or you work as part of a middle market company, understanding the trend is important because you know what direction you need to go but it does not require millions of dollars to learn. I mean, I think one of the great things is with the internet, you can literally learn anything you'd like to learn at no cost. And so when we talk about upskilling, this is about a conversation around what are the types of skills that are going to advance you as a professional in the finance and the accounting industry. So these are the types of skills that PwC highlights in their upskilling glossary. So PwC has a microsite available on their website, and it has this full glossary of all of the different types of roles and learnings and things that you would want to focus on for upskilling. And I want to highlight a few here. So one is agile project management. Agile project management really focuses on flexible and interactive sprints. So rather than having really defined stage gates and milestones as part of your project management, Agile project management is now helping teams be more nimble, be more responsive, have periodic check-ins to be able to adapt much more quickly than the prior project management best practices might have indicated. So agile project management, that's a big one to focus on if you are looking to enhance your skills within project management in your organization. Another one is artificial intelligence, AI. So we hear about this all the time. What does this look like? This looks like automating tasks like fraud detection or even your maintenance schedules. This can be complicated, but in a lot of cases, AI is not complicated at all. It's just automation and small tasks like approval workflows or things like that. Automation, bots, RPAs, this really goes hand in hand with AI 
And an example of automation would be opening a folder of your digital invoices, having that um, record the key information from those invoices into the next part of the process, taking that data and putting it into a spreadsheet, and perhaps then going on and having a dashboard populated to show, for instance, a quarterly spending breakdown. So that would be a bit of a combination of your AI working as automation to accomplish a task that can take some time off of your day. So if you're thinking about putting together a professional development plan and you are in a senior accountant role, you might be thinking about how can I learn some of these skills so that I'm coming out of the day-to-day and thinking more about how can I engineer these processes so that they happen more quickly, they happen more efficiently, they happen with fewer errors. Another one, this term has been out here for a long time, but it is part of upscaling, is understanding cloud computing. And this covers everything from data storage, software, analytics, networking, computing power using the internet rather than local storage. And for some of you, you're probably shaking your head thinking, of course, this is how we've done business. If you are newer in your career, you're probably thinking this is how I've always done business. This is all I know. But think about that tangibly. That could look like being on QuickBooks desktop versus QuickBooks online. That is a very, very tangible way to think about upskilling. If you are on QuickBooks desktop, one way to upskill and really enhance your service and your security would be to be willing to adapt QuickBooks online. Other terms, things like data analytics, so collecting and using data to answer questions, discover patterns, make recommendations, design thinking. Design thinking is fascinating. So this comes from the product design world, but now the design thinking approaches can really be used to solve problems and just essentially improve processes through gathering feedback in very open-minded and collaborative ways. I have two more terms I want to share. Um, Predictive analytics. So this is using statistical techniques like machine learning and algorithms to predict the chances of something happening based on what's happened before or based on the correlation between what might happen with some patterns and trends of data sets of what has happened in the past. So if you think about data analytics, you're using your data to look at some patterns. And now if we can take those patterns and we can make predictions into the future, then we're able to say, hey, this is what predictive analytics looks like. And then another one, I'm going through these in alphabetical order. So workflow automation, and this is managing the progress of information, usually documents things like a contract, maybe an invoice from one person to the next using a computerized system. So again, if we're thinking about AI automation, workflow automation, those three are going to work together, particularly if we're thinking about things like AP automation, automation in AR, and things like that. So those are just a sample of some of the upskilling terms from PwC's upskilling glossary. And those are the areas that I would say, if you are a professional, you want to be thinking about upskilling and putting at least one or two of these skills on your professional development goals. So clearly executives and company leadership, they see a ton of value in investing in upskilling for their workforce. When we think about professional development from the employee perspective instead of from the company perspective, are employees equally interested in adding new skills? Absolutely. And I think just to recap that Glenn statistic that 97% of employees 
want to expand or continue the amount of time they spend learning. And Wharton School of Business did a study on this as well, and I think we'll talk about this in a little bit, but their top finding was that employees want professional development. Some other key statistics, I think, to just really retain is that according to LinkedIn, 94% of employees say that they would stay at a company longer if the company invested in their career. So that's a key employee retention statistic right there. And then a few others, millennials specifically, really believe professional development opportunities are one of the most important aspects of company culture. We hear a lot about company culture. Company culture is not the number of happy hours you have. It's not the number of free lunches that are served. There's lots of little decisions, little offerings that make up culture. And one of them is the professional development opportunities that are offered to employees. 74% of workers say that they're willing to learn new skills or retrain in order to remain employable. So we're covering like millennials on one hand, believe it's the most important aspect of company culture. And then for workers who have more experience, we're seeing like three out of four are willing to learn new skills to retrain or to remain employable. That's Those statistics really point to the fact that this is for everyone. And again, professional development, it's not just for large companies or employees in upper management roles, but it really is for everyone at all levels of the organization and whether or not the organization is large or small. So clearly what we can see in some of these studies, including the Wharton study that you referenced, is that employees want this too. They want to learn new skills. I know the study was extensive in looking at the impact from investing in upskilling as well as professional development. What did the study find in terms of the impact? Definitely. So the four things that the study found, as we mentioned, employees want it. The impact to companies found that really upskilling and investing in professional development helps companies stay competitive. So what does that look like? We're talking about those increased retention rates with companies that have strong learning cultures. And there's this cool study, it goes all the way back to the 1990s from the Association for Training Development, and it found that companies that had comprehensive training programs had 218% higher income per employee than companies without formalized trainings, that companies also had higher profit margins. So there is a strong case for companies being able to be more competitive and more profitable when they do choose to invest in professional development. Also, there's just this strong sense of from Wharton that they highlight building a strong pipeline of leaders really helps to encourage innovation. So when you're asking, Matt, about what's the impact, think about where we're at today in the world where we see and we're hearing daily the magic and mystery of chat GPT and all of the ways that that can save time and create better content. So there's a lot out there that's helping to automate, helping to make things easier. And what organizations need, what we as individuals need is to invest in our leadership skills and learn how to innovate or learn how to better innovate. Because I really believe that the professional of the future is going to survive and thrive in a world where you have strong critical thinking skills, you have strong relationship building skills, you have a great ability to look up 
and look out and connect the dots. And some of those dots now, rather than connecting the dots of people doing tasks, it's going to be connecting the dots of machines doing tasks. And some, I don't know how that hits you out there. I don't know if that's something that you're excited about because automation of manual tasks is going to make things easier for you or if it's something that gives you a little bit of trepidation. But I really do think that having the pipeline of leaders, having innovation and the ability to connect the dots is really where the professional of the future is going to thrive. So that goes hand in hand with the Wharton study, which is talking about professional development is doing just that. It's building a pipeline of leaders and it's encouraging innovation. And then the fourth thing that the Wharton study found is that having professional development helps to add credibility. And a statistic here from Lorman, a learning company, shared that 76% of millennials believe professional development opportunities are one of the most important aspects of company culture. So there it is. <laughs> we're beginning at company culture. We're tying it back to company culture. And those are top four reasons that Wharton shares to invest in professional development. Okay, so when we think about embracing professional development and upskilling both from the employer and employee perspective, and really thinking about the accounting and finance functions, where does this initiative really start? Well, I think the it starts both at the top and it starts with the individuals. So the CFOs have a really strong role because they set the tone not only for their team, but for their entire organization, particularly in terms of their investment priorities. And they set the expectations, right, for the development of their own team. And I believe when the finance and the accounting function is able to show that it can consistently produce top performers and cultivate talent, the value of training, it's going to be observed by the entire organization. So that will spark a training and development culture. However, in addition to CFOs being a champion, you really have employees who have the responsibility to show initiative, to show that they want to embrace developing new skills and that they should not be afraid to ask. And then for the controllers and for those who are in the accounting manager roles, it's just really a matter of like helping to be the conduit for those conversations so that employees know that they're valued, that their desire to train is valued. The CFOs understand where the money can be allocated to invest in training and just having open lines of communication at all levels of the organization around why we're doing this and what we're doing. And when we think about professional development, it doesn't necessarily need to be some type of external training or course. Although, of course, from Encorsa's perspective, we encourage everyone out there to take as many trainings as possible. But outside of that perspective, um, organizations, they can build a culture where a lot of the training occurs in the course of performing one's job. Absolutely. So on that topic, I really think for me, some of my most enjoyable professional development activities have been the -the on-the-job type training, right? So Professional development can come in many forms, and the Center for Creative Leadership, which is a nonprofit educational institution based out of North Carolina, they did some research, and they really came up with three developmental experiences of successful managers. So they came up with this 70%, 20%, 10% breakdown, where someone's learning is 70% on the job. 20% interactions with others, 
and 10% formal professional development. So what does that look like? I mean, some of these things are very obvious. So on the job experiences, they're you're doing your job, observing others, undertaking special projects, keeping a recent record of learning experiences, taking on new responsibilities. So maybe someone's out on leave and you a volunteer, hey, I'd really like to learn how to reconcile that bank account or post that journal entry or prepare the financial statements, or I'd really like to help with the next quarterly budget. These are all professional development activities that can take place on the job. Seek feedback. Those are things you're already doing the work. Take the time to seek the feedback on the things you're already doing. Maybe it's going out to the site and actually seeing the activities that you're accounting for and seeing them in person. One of the roles I've held is a business valuation analyst. And something I enjoyed most about that role was every time we would work with a new client, we would get to go out to see the business operations of that client. So I've been to pallet manufacturers. I have been to sites where logging is logs are coming in and those logs are being planed to be transformed into pallets. I've seen roofing companies with their full yards and their training facilities. Dentist office, we've all seen dentist office, but you really kind of get to see these companies' operations with the financial background in mind, but it makes what you're doing come to life. So those site visits, that's a form of on-the-job training that is really enjoyable and powerful. Um, Projects, doing reviews for prior projects, these are all types of experiences that provide us with additional insight into our performance and help us to develop additional skills or additional knowledge about the general business operations of the companies that we're working with. 20% of training comes from interaction with others, and this really goes hand-in-hand with the -the on-the-job experience. And again, it's seeking feedback both from your direct reports, from peers, from your supervisors. Maybe it's being part of a professional group online or doing mentoring or job shadows. And here's something that's really cool. So when it comes to job shadowing, some organizations will partner, for instance, with a local high school and invite a high school student to come in for a day or for an afternoon just to do a job shadow and see what what a day in the life of a professional looks like. And there's this effect called the prodigy effect that was discovered. And this prodigy effect found that individuals would often make a greater effort to learn if they were also in the role of instructor than if they were just simply learning for themselves. So something that could fall hand in hand with this would be imagine having a lunch and learn where one member of your team teaches about a certain element of their job to the rest of your team. So then you're getting a little bit of job shadow going on. You're getting some cross training going on, but you're encouraging your employees to learn and not just the employees who are learning about the new area or the new process, but the person who's doing that presentation, it's taking their knowledge to a whole new level. And then 10% of learning comes from professional development. So that can be course offerings like in Corsa. It could be conferences. It could be just reading magazines that are in the industry, in the profession, taking online programs. And I think it's important to note that one of the key trends is that employees do want training to be available anywhere, 
anytime. And there's a little bit of a trade-off, right? You can't exactly plan to go to a conference anywhere at any time if you're looking for some of those professional development opportunities that come from networking with people in your profession. But if you are looking for something, you know, anywhere, anytime online serves that well. So I think in this case, having a really good mix is important, that we're not looking to learn from one person, from one source, but we're really just putting ourselves in the position of student that you can learn no matter what your role is and no matter where you are. Okay, so you talked about some of the settings where people learn. Can you also talk about how people learn in some of these environments? Yeah, definitely. So we talked about the breakdown of the 70-20-10, which can sometimes, if you want to remember that, think about OSF, for on the job is O, S is social, F is formal sources. So beyond that ratio, where again, 70-20-10, there are other ways to think about how people actually learn. So there's four different categories that modern workplace learning talks about. So one is didactics, and this is being taught through instruction. So again, like online course platforms. Another one is discovery. This is where as individuals, we are finding out things for ourselves. So we might be doing research on a new accounting standard. We might be just discovering how to do a process better that is discovery, where that's a way that we're learning, a way that people learn just through taking matters into their own hands. Another is discourse. So this is a lot like that social element, um, social learning, which happens in professional social networking, or if you're collaborating with your internal colleagues, that's the ways that we learn through discourse, through sharing ideas. Uh, Maybe there's a new accounting standard that's coming out and you are having a lunch and learn just to discuss with your colleagues, like how are we going to apply this standard to our organization? That is discourse. And then doing. So this is engaging in the day-to-day aspects of the job. We're getting the feedback. We're going about our day-to-day. We're doing our job. And so that's another way to think about how workplace learning takes place, which is didactics, which is kind of one way, discovery, learning for yourself, discourse, talking with other people, and then doing, which is that you know 70% of our work and time is focused on the job and we're learning while we're doing that. So we talked about some of the ways that people do learn. Can you tie that into tangible professional development goals in the accounting and finance profession? Definitely. I'm glad you asked. So there are several different types of development goals. And each of them are really valuable. So let's just dive in and talk about what these are. So career advancement is probably the most common thing that comes to mind when you think about what what are your career aspirations? I know earlier in my career, it was very black and white to say, you know, of course, I I want to be a manager. I'd like to consider being a CFO. Or maybe if you're on the audit track and you'd like to be a partner. So these career advancement goals are probably the type of development goals that we're all most familiar with. And so that's, you know, pretty straightforward. Another way to think about this and think about our career advancement and our professional uh, development is to think about career dexterity. And in the book Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, she uses this analogy called the jungle gym analogy. And she talks about how 
career progression shouldn't have to and doesn't have to be linear from one role up to the next, but really think about gaining experiences in the different roles that you have. So this could look like being a financial analyst and then moving into a brand marketing role. It could also look like being on the treasury team and learning tax skills to go onto the tax side of things. So you are developing more insight into how the organization operates and having higher business acumen. Earning a new professional designation is another type of development goal. So this could be true for a CPA who's pursuing AICPA's Chartered Global Management Accounting Certification. For me as a CPA, when I was in corporate finance, I had determined that I really enjoyed business valuation. And I knew I had to get my 40 credit hours of continuing education every year. So I went out and did a lot of research to find where can I study business valuation in a way that will meet my continuing education requirements, but will help me advance in my career. And so I came across NACFA's CVA, which is a Certified Valuation Analyst designation. So for me, my development was specific. It was intentional to say, I'm going to use my time learning that I have to spend to learn a skill and acquire a certification that will advance me in my career. And so that would be an example of having a professional development goal that's tied to a new designation. We've talked a lot about upskilling, and I think this is where we can all do better to think about professional development isn't just about career advancement, but it's about um, acquiring new skills. So adding new tools to our tool belt, and this could be as simple as learning how to better perform business process documentation. That is a really key skill if you're thinking about wanting to automate processes. You need to first have really good skills in business process documentation. Another skill that's really valuable is treasury management. And of course, as we're talking a lot about automation and there's so many new software solutions out there, software implementation is a skill that will benefit financing and accounting professionals. The last type of development goal I want to highlight is new competencies. And this should be aligning within your organization's model and the types of competencies that your organization places a really high priority around. So things like business acumen, communication, planning and execution, personal responsibility. Those are types of competencies. A competency is kind of a hybrid between a value and a skill. And it's really about the way in which we work. And every organization is going to have the ways we work that they value. Some organizations will have competencies documented as part of an actual um, formal professional learning role that might even be tied to the annual performance review. And some companies might not have competencies documented, but they are there. And some of the more common ones, as I mentioned, are business acumen, communication, planning and execution, and just that level of taking personal responsibility for your own work. So those are the types of development goals. And I had wanted to share that too and how I looked at my own professional development when I was in a corporate finance role to say, what are the things I enjoy doing and how can I learn more about them, become better at those things? And if I can add a certification that highlights my interest and my newly acquired knowledge, then all the better. Okay, so I'm a professional in the accounting or finance industry, 
and I'm all bought into this. I want to learn more. I want to upskill. What are my next steps? Yeah, that's a great question. So the next step will probably not surprise you. It's to create a professional development plan. And this is just simply a document that lists out the new skills that you'd like to acquire and how performance can be enhanced within a specific time frame. So thinking about those SMART goals, you want to talk about what is it that you want to do and how you're going to do it, what it's going to help you do better, and set a time frame. That's going to give you an action plan for these goals. So the current trend here is for a professional development plan to be driven by the individual. So this is not something that team members should wait for their managers or for their CFOs to roll out to say, all right, everyone now has a professional development plan and this is what you're learning this year. This is something that should originate with the individual. And the manager should provide input. Ideally, you'd see a team member put together a plan, bring it to the manager and say, hey, I'm really interested in learning these new skills. I'm interested in this career path. And here are the things that I think I can learn to better the organization and better myself. You'll want to consider, of course, the goals and the current performance expectations. Organizations don't really have the bandwidth likely to set aside a full five or 10 hours per week for learning. So when you're putting together your goals, you want to think about how much time do you have within your day job to learn and also how much of your own time are you willing to invest? So if the company is willing to invest in you, are you willing to invest a little bit more of your own time to continue meeting or exceeding your current performance expectations and learn on top of that? So there's kind of a give and a take. There's a blend here. I think there's a right way to do it, whether or not you have a lot of extra time, but you'll just want to be really realistic in setting those goals. And again, Take responsibility for your own plan. Make a proposal to your manager. And that proposal can include a budget ask. One of the statistics that I came across in doing research around this topic is a best practice is about $1,500. I have been part of teams with budgets for annual learning budgets of $5,000. And I've been part of teams who have shied away even from $500. So every team is going to have different constraints and different budgets for this. I think that's also part of culture, but don't let that hold you back because there's always good material out there to be consumed. There's always things you can learn no matter the size of your budget. So the best practice here is to really incorporate development planning into your annual goal setting with your manager. And if you're looking to put together a simple development plan, a very easy template could look like your name, your position, the date, right? Because if we're going to set some timeline, we're going to need to know our start date. The area that you want to focus your development over the next, say, 12 months. Share your professional goals. Share your aspirations. If you are asking for something, let your manager into what you're hoping to accomplish with that ask. You could even go as far as listing your key strengths and your talents so that when you're coming with a pretty holistic view, right? You're like, this is what I'm really good at. These are my talents. These are my key contributions to the organization. But these are the things that I've not had as much experience in. So maybe you know your team is getting ready to implement a new software program and you don't have as much experience there. So you say, these are the development needs that I have and here's a development opportunity. And so I'm going to go ahead and create an action plan. I'm going to sign up for this course and by 
at this point in the year, I will complete the course and I'll be able to put those skills into action. That's what a simple development plan could look like. The University of Michigan also makes some recommendations around creating a professional development plan. And it starts with a self-assessment, again, setting those, what is my current baseline of my strengths? What are my areas of focus? And then setting goals. So I'd like to take on a new project. I would like to develop new skills. I would like to gain the experience to take a new role. And then when you think about resources, it might not be just a training program. A resource might be a mentor. It might be a relationship with someone in a different department or someone in the community who has the skills you're looking for. So think more broadly than just, if I take this one program, I'm going to have this new skill, but think about the people that you can learn from and think about the -the on-the-job work experiences and the things that you want to accomplish that will help you develop proficiency in your new skill. And then, of course, as with anything, you want to make sure that you're evaluating and tracking your progress. That's all excellent insight into the professional development plan and kind of the pathway that we can take as we progress towards upskilling and learning. From your perspective, do you have any favorite experiences you had as you went through professional development and upskilling? Yeah, I would love to share that. So throughout my career, I have really benefited so much through training programs. Like I mentioned, the evaluation analyst training program. I've had some amazing mentors I'd learned from. And one of my most favorite professional development experiences was getting to travel to Taiwan to participate as a guest auditor on the audit of this international affiliate. So a little backstory is I was working for a large Fortune 500 company with global operations in more than 60 different countries, and I had development goals of understanding the market operations of these global affiliates, and I wanted to learn more about the internal audits, audit planning, and execution process because I collaborated a bit with internal audit, but I was not intimately knowledgeable about that company's internal audit programs, and I wanted to learn more about that. And then also being part of a global business, I wanted to learn more about the global business operations. So those were some of my development goals that I had communicated with my manager, and he worked with the internal audit team as was customary to develop a plan to say, hey, Liz has these development goals and there's this really neat internal audit, guest audit experience. So let's match those things up. And so for me, I got to go to Taiwan, travel halfway across the country and have some really cool cultural experiences, learn about the auditing processes, meet some really cool, awesome people. And that will always stick with me both in what I learned, but also that my company was willing to make the investment in me because they saw value and worth in providing those experiences to me and that I would take those experiences and contribute on a deeper level to the company. So that's that's my favorite. So as we think about the topic of professional development and empowering yourself and your teams, remember that company cultures that focus on L&D are really doing a great job of attracting and retaining top talent, that learning should be part of your corporate culture. And modern professionals, they want to learn. You want to learn. I want to learn for different reasons. And it's going to depend based on what role we're in right now and where we are in our career. 
We want to learn new bodies of skills. We want to be able to solve problems. We want to improve what we're already doing and stay up to date, especially right now, our industry, our profession, it's changing so quickly and learning helps us stay up to date with what's going on. It helps us to own our own career development and learning it inspires us. It helps us to innovate better and it provides a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment and enjoyment when we're learning things that we can put into practice on the job. If you really think about it, professional development is rooted in learning, which is a really unique human instinct to develop value within ourselves, which also helps to build value within the organizations that we serve. And so with that, I really hope that you all will take the time to identify the experiences and the relationships and the knowledge that's required to help you achieve your goals. And we'd love to hear from you. So if you want to find us on LinkedIn and share with us what you're doing and what development goals you're setting, we'd love to hear from you. So thanks for joining us today, and we'll look forward to having you back on another Incorsa podcast soon. Thank you so much, Liz, for the insight and discussion today on professional development and upskilling. That's going to take us to the end of our episode today. Just to recap our housekeeping items from earlier, for those who would like to earn CPE credit for listening today, each of our podcasts are accompanied by a self-study course on Incorsa.com. A link to this course is included in the show notes below. We also included a link to our free inaugural episode if you'd like to try Incorsa out. And of course, we would love to have you subscribe to our podcast to get notified of future episodes. You can do that from whatever podcast platform you're listening from. We want to thank you again for joining us for episode two of our podcast, Empowering Accounting Teams Through Professional Development. We look forward to having you join us for another episode in the near future. Thanks so much, everyone. Talk to you soon.